week, your theme in the book of 1 Samuel than the one that runs from start to end of contrasting the humble and prideful. From the opening scenes of Samuel, we saw a relatively unknown, faithful man named Elkanah from the priestly line of Levi, who paused yearly to travel to the tabernacle for worship of Yahweh, contrasted to a well-known priest named Eli that elevated his own name above the name of God while he was supposed to facilitate and direct worship daily in the tabernacle. We saw Penina, a woman with an unhealthy pride of all her sons and daughters, provoking the barren Hannah, who humbly approached God with all her brokenness. We saw a prideful pair of sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who decided the law of God did not pertain to them, even as they were to be teaching and mediating the worship of God in Israel who took from God's sacrifices for their own gain, and who took women who were serving the Lord, contrasted to a humble son, Samuel, that was eager and willing to serve and figure out God's voice and call upon his life to lead Israel in true worship. In the middle of the book, we saw a prideful Israel attempting to manipulate God and use his Ark of the Covenant as a genie to fight their battles, contrasted to an Israel a couple decades later that humbled themselves before God and helplessly awaited his salvation from their enemy. Israel turned back to pride when they demanded a king like the nations that would physically go out and fight their battles, scorning their previous king who was altogether different from the kings of the nations, who was holy and fought their battles even without their assistance. Towards the end of the book, we saw some more characters that easily fit in this theme to contrast pride and humility. We saw Doeg, a man who was more than willing to throw the entire priesthood under the bus and murder an entire city of Israelites with his sword, hoping to become important to King Saul. Yet we never heard about him again. He can easily be contrasted to Jonathan, who was never in search of his next step up, but stripped himself of his royalty for David. He set out to defeat Israel's enemy with his sword, even though the odds were against him. And he faithfully fought for Israel, for God's people, and to his death. We remember him as a picture of renouncing everything for the glory of God. We saw a foolish and prideful man named Nabal who insulted and rejected David, contrasted to his wife Abigail, who was wise and humble as she approached and reminded David of God's character and plan. And we saw a group of Philistines who pridefully killed and dehumanized the first king of Israel, contrasted to a humble group of valiant men from Jabesh Gilead who restored dignity to their first king even if he was a very mixed bag. And speaking of a mixed bag, it's probably clear to you that I've saved our two main characters for last. They both are actually a mixed bag. We saw all of Saul's life in this first half of the book, so his bag is a little more mixed than David's. We quickly want to put Saul under the pride category and leave him there knowing what we know now. But we did see brief moments of humility in his life, 
He was humble when, he, when Samuel heaped praise upon meeting him. Saul couldn't understand why the prophet would be speaking so highly of him from the lowliest tribe of Israel. He showed humility when after his first victory, defeating the Ammonites and unifying Israel, he chose not to put the men who had been against him to death. We saw David begin to show his own mixed bag, including the sin of pride when he wanted to kill Nabal's whole household for insulting him and then taking on multiple wives against the Lord's laws and commands concerning the kings. He only gets more mixed from here. But for the most part in 1 Samuel, we see the character of Saul associated with pride. He chose to not be patient for Samuel to come and sacrifice before battle with the Philistines. He chose to walk in his own ideas and making rash vows to elevate himself in war that affected his people poorly. He decided he could pick and choose from the word of the Lord. And we saw his pride blind him from reality as he spent the remainder of his life chasing David down instead of saving God's people from the Philistines, which was his calling. We ultimately saw Saul's pride in the rejection of hearing and obeying the voice of the Lord. We see the character of David associated with humility, even in our introduction to him. He was the youngest of Jesse's sons, not even present when Samuel went to anoint a new king at Bethlehem. He was shepherding the family's sheep. We saw his humility in his service to Saul, his initial rejections of the king's daughters and sparing Saul's life twice. We saw his humble heart by his response to the slaying of the priests at Nob and his providing of safety to Abiathar, the only remaining priest, and in his care for an obscure Egyptian slave in the middle of nowhere. We ultimately saw David's humility in his nearly constant inquiring of and obedience to the voice of the Lord. So how do we use these characters and their experiences involving pride and humility to pull down practical applications for us from this book? It's easy to say, be like Hannah, be like Samuel, be like David. But what does that mean? What does that look like? How do we do it and why? Starting with the why, Hannah told us in her song that God hushes the arrogant, that he will bring low the prideful, that he will cut off the wicked and he will break his adversaries to pieces. She told us that God gives strength to the weak, exalts the humble, raises the poor from the dust and the needy from the ash heap to sit with princes and guards the feet of his faithful ones. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And that is our why in seeking humility in our everyday lives. I think an example of the how of humility comes from David's repeatedly inquiring of the Lord, not just to determine what his next step should be on the run, but his heart posture that recognized the Lord is God and he was not. Many times in the narrative, praise for God and the concern of God's glory was David's focus. And that is true humility. 
And we have to be sober and minded enough to ask the Lord often to search our hearts and reveal where pride may be taking root. Where are we elevating ourselves above him or his good law? Where are we operating out of our own earthly wisdom instead of inquiring of his heavenly wisdom? I think another how of humility is seen in David's seeking out and listening to others' wise and godly counsel. He listened to Samuel. He listened to Gad. He listened to Abiathar. And he listened to Abigail. Think about who you trust lovingly to lovingly speak truth when they see pride rearing its ugly head in your life, especially when it may be a blind spot. Do you have those people? Because if not, that may be the application step to take at the conclusion of this study. Look around your gospel communities, even your discussion groups tonight, your day-to-day, shoulder-to-shoulder relationships, and seek that out. Because evidence of God's kindness to David was the people he had alongside him that he humbly listened to to guide and direct him in the way of the Lord. Another theme we saw begin to surface in this first half of Samuel is the theme of repentance. Repentance is turning away from sin and towards God. And more often than not in this book, we actually saw this theme arise from examples of non-repentance. Refusals to repent, false repentance, or at the least, not long-lasting repentance. Corporately, we saw Israel take a very long time to repent of their idolatry in the beginning of the book. Even after God returned the ark on his very own and Samuel was established as a prophet. We do get a perfect example of their repentance when they gathered at Mizpah after putting away the idols they served and worshiping God alone. We saw their repentance immediately tested when the Philistines gathered to fight And the Israelites fully relied upon God for their salvation. But it still only lasted for a time. Instead of seeking Baal or the Ashtaroth again, the next time we see their idol worship expressed was in their demand of a human king like all the foreign nations around them. Their repentance was hardly ever long-lived. Individually, we saw Hophni, Phinehas, and Eli all refuse to repent, even with warnings and a pronouncement of judgment upon them. We saw Saul's lack of repentance on clear display when he rejected God's commands concerning devoting the Amalekites to destruction. Samuel confronted Saul, only for Saul to blame the people for his sin. Samuel announced God's rejection of Saul as king, and that is where we saw the beginnings of many examples of false repentance in Saul. He may have admitted sin with his mouth, but it was only to keep his status. He did similarly when he agreed to Jonathan that he wouldn't kill David. His actions revealed his words were empty. His heart had not changed And we saw that explicitly made clear when he made empty promises based on false repentance to David after David spared his life. Not once, but twice. Saul never wholeheartedly turned away from his sin and toward God. David was a good example of repentance, specifically his quickness to repent. 
When confronted by Abigail, he listened to her wisdom, realized his sin of selfish anger almost led to murder, and turned away from confronting Nabal and back to reliance on God to take care of his enemies. Listen, David's story has really only gotten started. And spoiler alert, it's not a stretch to say that he will be a far greater sinner than Saul. What distinguishes the two men is repentance. Saul would not truly repent, and David was usually quick to turn from his sin and back to God. So, in way of application for the theme of repentance, when confronted by your sin, as Israel, Eli's house, Saul, and David were, what is your response? This ties to the first theme of humility and pride, doesn't it? Those who are full of pride double down, refuse to admit wrong, blame shift, and will not turn away from their sin and towards the one true God in his ways. But the humble know what they're capable of. They recognize their sin when it's pointed out and seek to make amends, turning away from the sin and to the God they desire to serve in every part of their lives. First Samuel shows us to seek the humble heart posture, to be quick to identify sin and listen well to the warnings from others and to quickly and often repent. The final theme we'll cover tonight that we saw introduced in 1 Samuel is the theme of kingship. We first heard the whisper in Hannah's prophetic song, the Lord will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. But we know from references back to the law in Samuel's warning that he gave to the people that a king was planned for prior to 1 Samuel. Prior to Israel even entering into the land they occupy in this book. A king was planned for in God's covenant with Abraham when he told him that kings would come from him. A king was planned for when Israel, also known as Jacob, blessed his fourth son, Judah, referencing king's possessions belonging to his offspring. In 1 Samuel, we saw the first king of Israel from the tribe of Benjamin, with a quick rise and a deep fall. We saw the second king of Israel from that promised tribe of Judah, from the town of Bethlehem, anointed with the Spirit of God as a young man to patiently wait for his kingdom reign. We saw this second king take on a giant, an enemy of God, dressed in bronze armor, which in the original language connects to a serpent and snakeskin. We saw this gentle and humble second king gather men who were in distress, in debt, and bitter in soul to himself. We saw him risk his life for the lives in the city of Keilah. And we saw him continually fight and defeat God's enemies while on the run. We saw God give strength to his king and exalt his anointed one. In 1 Samuel, the second king, David, foreshadows the true and better king from the tribe of Judah, born in the town of Bethlehem, who the Spirit of God descended upon at his baptism 
who was referred to as the anointed one, the Messiah by the prophets. This true and better king takes on God's ultimate enemy, the ancient serpent, crushing his head by his death and resurrection. We recognize him as the gentle and lowly king who also gathers those weary and heavy laden to himself. He gave up his life for God's chosen people. He defeated God's enemies of death, sin, and the grave. And we know this true and better king humbled himself, taking the form of a servant, becoming obedient to death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. God gave strength to his humble king and exalted his anointed one. All the way through this study, we brought out that thing of kingship. Israel sought out a lesser king that would never fully satisfy. Saul did not live up to God's standard for a faithful king. David will not live up to God's standard for a perfectly faithful king. David is only a pointer to the true and better king. He is only a shadow of the substance that is Christ. So we close tonight with the practical application we brought up nearly every week because it's a question we all need to reckon with regularly. What king are you serving? What kingdom are you building? The book of 1 Samuel urges us to serve the king that has and will rescue us from our enemy once and for all, fully satisfying the deepest longings of our hearts and 1 Samuel urges us to renounce our own kingdoms and to take part in building the kingdom that will never pass away. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you that this book points to him. Even in the Old Testament, even in obscure Old Testament historical narratives, the stories that crazy we all we thank you for him as an example to us um, in humility and lord i pray that seeing him clearly would would draw out that humble heart posture in us that would drive us to repent quickly because of how worthy the king is for us to serve him and to build our lives around his kingdom Lord, I pray, um, just as we wrap this up, that you would just use this, uh, this whole study just to continue to conform us into the image of your son. In his name I pray. Amen. All right.